You are now listening to LFL Talk with Adri and Marcus. Hello and welcome to this week 12 episode of LFL Talk. I'm your host, Adri Mallows. Joining me this week, as always, is... Marcus Henson, how are you, sir? Yeah, I'm good. I feel like I should have a cape as you introduce me, you know, like standing in loft, like, one and only. My ego might have just uh, inflated somewhat. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'll just buy you a Chesney Hawks mask for Christmas or something. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that would be more suitable. I still prefer a cape. In fact, actually, there, maybe I'll... Me a cape. I want a cape. You want a cape? I want well, a cape. Anyone, anyone out there want to get me a cape? I want a cape. <laughs> Maybe I'll make you wear a cape when we go to Seattle. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm open recordings. <laughs> yep, some video recordings of Marcus in a cape. I'm sure that'll be fan dabby dozy. <laughs> anyway, moving swiftly on. Later in the show, we are going to be joined by one of the biggest names in the LFL, and that is Adrian Pennell of the Atlanta Steam. But next up, we will have our game review. Hi, this is Tony from Delicious in Hemel. If you like a bit of banter with your sandwiches, then come on down to us. We do baguettes, ciabattas, paninis. We can even discuss the LFL with you. So why don't you come and give us a try? And if you want some more details of our menu, see the links on the Legends Lounge page. We come on now to the game from Friday night between Atlanta and Omaha. We always knew this was going to be a bit of a one-way show, but Marcus, final score, I'm going to give it away straight away, 71-13. Omaha got their first points. What did you make of the game? I'm a Steam fan, and it was awesome for the first couple of drives. You were sitting them like, oh, yeah, another score. Oh, that's it. Go get him. Go get him. You get into the deep into that second half, and you're like, my word, it is difficult to sit down and watch these games. But we'll, we'll come on more to that in a minute. <laughs> Let's focus on um, some positives before we get on to the uh, the Omaha side of things. <laughs> See what I did there? They're not going to like me for that one. But <laughs> this week, we saw a lot more scrambling from Dakota Hughes when she didn't have any options in the passing game. So whether she knew she'd be able to get away with it against uh, a bad Omaha defense, or whether she just took advantage of that fantastic Atlanta blocking. I don't think there was a, a heart defender got within about two feet of Dakota all night but yeah it was weird she sort of she sort of put the wheels on a lot I don't know when she suddenly thought she was Johnny Manziel it was just literally check down don't like it and she just burned off good chunks of yardage and even a touchdown uh, or two to her name as well so it was like where's this been from Dakota again is it because they're just playing hard? Are we going to see this later in the year uh, in at Toyota Park? Who knows? I think we need to, don't we? If they want to stand a chance of winning, they've got to have that extra dimension to their offense because the last couple of times they've come up a little bit short. So maybe with her scrambling a bit more, it would take them by surprise. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the run game for me is going to be uh, definitive because I liked what I saw from the run game because there was a plenty, lot of mix around where you've got uh, the sort of the the three main sort of running backs, but you've got Naz Johnson, you've got uh, Jesse Locklear, and of course now you've got Caldwell coming in, the Aussie import. They they just kept rotating them around and it looked really, really good. Um, lots of different looks. Each of them has their own own style. Naz is just amazing to watch. <laughs> you just, you watch that huge, you know, run she did in the second half and just it showed all her talents off, you know, the presence, the mind, the, the, the football acumen whirring at 100 miles an hour. So she's watching the play develop and reacting. Um, Jesse is just one of those sort of complete and utter lightning backs. Caldwell is just, I think, 
for me, she's that sort of that we've said it before, this sort of flash and thunder. And she's just uh, like just a proper steam train, like rolling through. And you saw that with her, her touchdowns. It, she just had the ball and she just went for that end zone. And boom, you ain't going to stop her. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And coming on to the Omaha side of the field. Now, in the first half, we saw them have four different QBs. Of all the bad things that happen in Omaha, to have four different QBs by halftime, that's not really a way to win a game, is it? And I think by the second half, they were down to nine players. Whether people got taken out injured and had to be taken to hospital or what, but there was definitely less people on that sideline. One big name that I could not see either on the field or on the sideline was Anonka Dixon had just disappeared come second half don't know if she'd gone off injured or what you know it was a little bit crazy I mean fair play I'd have to give actually some kudos though to to the likes of sort of like Heather Hudson who was just she was basically sort of almost wildcatting the whole way but she she could throw we saw a couple of decent throws where and especially uh, that last score to uh, Sarah Jane Thompson great throw beating the coverage uh, for a score just to sort of give them something to real fire them up at the end of the game yeah and between Heather Hudson and uh, Sarah Jane Thompson they they were the Omaha team really weren't they on defense they were making the tackles on offense running the ball well uh, obviously we know the passing touchdown as well but yeah, Heather scrambled really well from like the QB draws or just the broken down plays and without her you wonder where that franchise would be going even at this late stage in the season and I hate to say it but I part of me has to say it I don't think there's going to be a franchise in Omaha next year uh, yeah it just it depends what can happen whether someone can come in and sort of save this I don't think if they're going to keep the same uh, sort of setup it's not probably going to be there I don't think Mitch will allow them just to sort of try and carbon copy they it possibly might need a complete and utter overhaul but like you say there are elements there that need to stick around and see something happen the likes of Sarah Jane Thompson who for me is like the diamond in the rough she's just on a rough team in this instance and the likes of Heather Hudson we know she's a known quantity if she's at Omaha this year maybe she made a name for herself that another team will go almost like uh, Seattle drew the likes of KK, um, the likes of Steam drew Adrian, they drew um, Lauren and Dina, drew them to them. So hopefully Heather, she's going to make a name for herself because someone's going to sit, see what she's doing right now and go, we want her on our team next year. And just coming back to Atlanta, just wanted to mention actually, because I thought Lauren Ziegler looked awesome as always, no matter what she was doing, whatever she touches at the moment, she is definitely going the right way to becoming the MVP of the league this year. It was just crazy. I mean, sort of running in the past game in defence, you know, I just love watching her play defence. Um, such a stout tackler, such a hard hitter. We saw Dakota get named MVP and that partnership between Dakota and Lauren, I think it's just, I, d- I don't know where it's come from this year. It's just developed. It's just worked. It's just almost like it was meant to be. <laughs> yeah, it's that natural but, chemistry they've got between the yeah. two of them because we know how highly they both speak of each other and just how well they seem to have clicked both on and off the field. You see that because the production is just there. I mean, the stats, if you want to crunch them, there's plenty of stats to crunch. But I, I, it, for me, it is actually just how you see that team. That team looks, uh, I don't know how much you can take away from this this victory but for me I actually think that it was possibly a good thing rolling into the the, the playoffs because you saw when they got that, that second score at Omaha on Atlanta you saw Coach Robinson he was irate at the fact that they let another score in you know didn't matter that it was blown out these guys cared 
about the little things, about getting the little things right. They're the sort of things that are going to make you sort of better because you're not just like letting them slide. You're sitting there, you're going to look at them on game film. You're going to go, we've got to sort that out because yeah, at Omaha, that's fine. When we go into the, the Eastern Championship, this is not going to be fine. So yeah, I liked the intensity, the passion, and it just smiles <laughs> smiles around for the steam because, you know, that's the way to sort of finish your regular season, okay? Um, finish well, yeah, it on a high. Result-wise, yes, but I'd have to say there's uh, one thing I just want to mention that I think they definitely need to cut out before the championship game, and that was all those needless silly penalties uh, and the fighting after the plays, that kind of thing. We mentioned it before, but you just cannot win a game giving up that many yards. I think, unless it's against Omaha, obviously. <laughs> right, that's the that's the yeah, that, they're the things, and I'm I'm, I'm guessing they're going to go away and they're going to be irate about them. Um, I think you look at them and say a lot of them were spur of the moment. So many unsportsmanlike conduct and so many unnecessary roughnesses. I think I've been thinking a lot. <laughs> I think you have been thinking an awful lot. I think I have been thinking a lot. There was far too many penalty first downs. Omaha gained a lot of times, and a lot of times when they should have been dead and gone and buried, and they gave them new life to have a couple more drives. Now, yes, okay, a lot of them didn't amount to anything, but you give that to Chicago, or you, okay, you, you beat Chicago, you get into the Legends Cup, and you give someone like Seattle... Like a, a, a chance because you've just hit someone late because you're not thinking. You will kill yourself off with these stupid penalties. It's not a case of playing to to the whistle and stuff like that. This now that should just be ingrained. This is now a case of guys. Okay, we have got to switch on mentally. This stuff isn't going to win us a championship. Physically, they're there. You can see that they are there physically. And I think on that note, we will leave the game review there and when we come back we will have our guest the world's fastest growing sport arrives to youtube legends football league break their confidence keep breaking their confidence they've got nothing they want to brawl they don't want to play football intensity beauty subscribe to this channel and gain access into locker rooms inside the huddle get to know your favorite players the one thing i want to do is just make everyone happy give 100 percent and fully games in high definition subscribe and never miss out on lfl action This is Lauren Ziegler with the Atlanta Steam, and you're listening to the LFL Talk with Adrian Marcus. I just want to be given the chance. You were the pioneers that built women's football. The opportunity to succeed. Or even to fail. You are the league of their own. You ain't got no chance to redeem yourself. This is it. The LFL. On Fuse, Saturdays, starting April 18th. Joining us on the show now is one of the league's biggest personalities, that is tight end and safety for the Atlanta Steam, Adrian Pennell. Welcome to the show, Adrian. Thank you. Hello. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. Now, before we start with the interview, please can I ask you to advise our listeners what you were doing prior to joining the league and who or what inspired you to start playing? It's weird, actually. I was living in Houston and I'd seen some um, clips 
from the first season. And I was like, oh, my, my all my friends thought that'd be so perfect for me. I was like, ah, oh, whatever. Ended up moving back home to Tampa. And on my way back to Tampa, my trainer was my former coach, Yo Murphy. So it was kind of like fate, you know? And um, when I started training, he told me I was awful. He was like, you look like a baby deer. You are not coordinated whatsoever. He's like, I kind of did your boyfriend a favor by putting you on the team. He's like, but I'm so happy that I did. So. And had you played much football before joining the league then like had you done any flag football in college or anything flag football in high school I was actually a quarterback and a middle linebacker and I was actually pretty good I got MVP of the season my first season but I was a cheerleader from the age 7 to 18 so all the boys used to say all you wanted to do was come out and hang out with us you just wanted to be with us so not because they were cute or anything but because that, I like <laughs> football exactly and with the love of football there who would be your favorite NFL team I grew up a Bucks fan by nature my dad as a huge FSU and Bucks fan, so I was like bred into it. Brilliant. Ray Lewis. Well, that's my favorite player, Ray Lewis. All you have to do is watch Ray Lewis play to see why he inspires so many people like yourself. Exactly. He's nuts, and I love it. <laughs> so, as we said there, you started your um, career with Tampa, which turned into Jacksonville, um, and they were possibly one of the most talented teams on the league. Would you say they were probably the most talented group of players that you, you've played with so far? For sure. Our Tampa squad was the strongest. My, la- my last Tampa year, the um, my third year, was definite. I don't even know why we didn't win a championship. KK Matheny, Bryn Rinda, Dina Wajowski, all these Lauren Ziegler, you know, I had such a, we had such a strong group. Um, we just couldn't, you know, translate it over to a championship for some reason. Well, what lessons could you take from that as to, as you say, you didn't manage to win the Legends Cup. What do you take from that to, to move forward with your time now in Atlanta to try and push for that Legends Cup? You know, I've been with so many talented people in so many years that the only thing that keeps me going is the fact that we're just relentless. You know what I mean? I can't stop until I actually get out. When I played in Australia, I actually played in the Legends Cup and lost. So I know what it feels like to be there and just almost have my fingers on it but not quite be, get it, you know what I mean? So it's just that last little thing that I need is what's keeping me going. I'm glad you mentioned there actually your time with the uh, the WA Angels. What was that like and how did you find the level of competition over in Australia? It was amazing. Like to live in another country and actually just solely focus on football like an actual football player um, was an experience of a lifetime. The girls were amazing. You know, they didn't know certain things that I didn't know that they didn't know. Our first game, they didn't know what down and distance was. I'm screaming fourth and one, don't let them convert. And they're like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? So it was crazy to experience that. And it was it was amazing to help, you know, those women learn a little bit more about how we play football. Um, but the level of competition on my team, it was crazy. Like Tegan Brown and Tessa Atkinson, they're freaking amazing athletes and then to play in the Legends Cup against Monique uh, the LA girl um, and Chloe Butts and you know a, a ton of other girls from the city team it was it was pretty dope yeah and trying to tackle Bonnie Gillespie can't be an easy feat <laughs> she's very low to say the least and I'm very high uh, so it's hard and she's a relentless player too so I, I love her fire we come on now to your move to Atlanta this year and now I think it's fair that we just leave everything that happened in the championship game back in the championship game last year. Um, But what's it been like? (laughs) What's it been like playing for Coach Robinson this year? Yo Murphy was my mentor. You know, he taught me so much about this game, but Dane just has those little, the last little things that you need. He has that fire that you need as a coach that 
if I was, if I had the opportunity to play, I would play for you type thing. And I think he's the most amazing coach that I've ever played for in my entire life. And he seems to, as you say, have a great passion. We know with some of the other players we've spoken to, they say that he's more than just a coach. He's almost like a father figure. For sure. He has so much passion. Sometimes we have to tell him to scale it back a little bit, you know, because I told him, I was like, the reason why I fought you in the championship game is because you antagonize us and you shouldn't do that as a coach. You know what I mean? And it's a way to get into players' heads, but it really didn't get into my head until after the game. So now we have such a, so much of a better understanding and he's so respectful and such an amazing person that, you know, I have nothing but respect for him. With playing for Atlanta, I understand yourself, Dina, and Lauren have to travel. Is it seven hours you travel for to get to the games? Yes. <laughs> and do you manage to get up there for many trainings or do you just kind of go up a few days before the game? We go up every other weekend. You know, we, we're not those players that think that we're stars and we can't, you know, we all we can do is show up at game day and voila, we're going to win a championship. No. Um, we know that it takes work and we have to put in the time and effort. So we go up every other weekend for two a day practice on Saturday and then one practice on Sunday and then, you know, back at it the week after. If, and coming up since we have, you know, the championship on the 15th we'll be there for the the three weekends prior to that so four weeks of straight football for us wow and we're going to come on now to the game itself from friday night and how do you manage to mentally prepare for a team that you've beaten so convincingly twice already this year our mentality is we have to win a championship we knew we needed to tweak some things especially offensively and we took opportunity that opportunity in omaha against omaha i should say not to say that we look at them as a punching bag but we all know that they weren't you know their talent level isn't up to par compared to everyone else you know they have bits and pieces but they don't have you know i would like to say the coaching and all the entire um group you know they don't have that one star nor do they have you know a center that can snap the ball to say the least so we took them as a stepping stone to send out a message you know we're not the team that you think that we are we're not we don't fold under pressure you know we, we didn't want them to score but we but at least we went out there and had our offense clicking um, I mean, we all actually let our secondary play. I don't think we've done that all season. So hats off to them. And it was just a good cleanup game. You know, we'd had two months off. So it was nice to actually get out there, dust off the dust, you know what I mean? And get everything together for August 15th. And I'm going to bring in Marcus now, because I'm sure he has a, a few questions for you. Absolutely. Uh, hi there, Adrian. Hi, Marcus. One thing about the game against Omaha really noticed was the amazing blocking you managed to put down all game. I don't think there was a, a heart player within about two feet of Dakota all game. We see the NFL sometimes quarterbacks treating the offensive line to maybe stakes after such a great game. Has Dakota treated you guys anything special? She has not treated us to a stake, but I know she would if she could. Trust me. She's very, she's very appreciative. She's like, I definitely didn't have these blocks last year. I'll tell you that much. So Absolutely. I mean, it was just one part of the game. I mean, like you say, it was one of those games that you, you clearly knocked off the dust. But one thing we, we saw going forward, possibly might need tweaking. I don't know if it was just the game situation itself. Going forward to that championship game, the the mental penalties. I mean, how do you sort of address them? Because of course, a team like Chicago just can't allow that. Um, we it's a funny. We try and address it through the game, but the thing is, you're playing with women. You cannot control their emotions, especially not mine. You know, I tried my best to not fight this game. Um, the girls. They had what we said is they had nothing to lose, absolutely nothing to lose. We had everything to lose. I also 
credit the um, the referees to partially, you know, a lot of the penalties. They were trying to give Omaha something that they that wasn't there. You know, they were trying to give them a game that they could not win whatsoever. So I didn't agree with a lot of the calls. I promise it. it and then there were some punches thrown that should not have been thrown for sure. You just have to keep pounding into the women's head. Like you can't do that, especially not against Chicago, because a player like um, Yashi Rice is gonna say stupid just to get on your nerves. That's what she does. That's her MO. And it's going to get under certain people's skin. I look at her till I shut the up and keep pushing. But, you know, to other people, she might get on their nerves. You know what I mean? So we have to mentally prepare ourselves for that situation specifically. And is there anything else that you think you need to prepare for to, to beat Chicago in the, the championship game on the 15th? Because you've come so close twice now. I think our main problem was our offense never clicked against Chicago. We had a ton of mental errors. I think our defense played amazing against Chicago. You know, the Ferrari, Christelle is extremely hard to tackle. And I think we kept her to a very at least first half of last game in the whole uh, game, the first game, we kept her very minimal. You know, um, she was very frustrated. I'd hear her say things when she was getting up off the ground that could tell that she was just tired of getting hit. Our offensive line was a big struggle. Um, seeing as how we only get every other weekend with them, it took a lot for me and Dina, our best friends, but Coco to gel. You know, Coco playing that position new was, it was hard to communicate, but now we have it under control. Like you said, our blocking was phenomenal this game, and it's because Dina took control and you know pretty much was a dictator on the line and said you're blocking x y and z you're blocking x y and z let's get it you know and we'll tell someone straight to their face bitch i'm about to block you now stop me you know what i mean and that's what you need you know um and our coaches it's so hard to get a compliment on our out of our offense coordinator coach mark and he was so pumped all he could, could keep saying was this offensive line is what I coach for. You know what I mean? So that's such a compliment um, and a testament to what our, our hard work is all about. Before I finish off with the last question, what kind of fighting words do you have for Chicago in the build up to the game? Because we know you're always good for a quote. So <laughs> every time I talk, I get in trouble every time. So I'm not doing it this time. I'm just going to go with the flow and pray for the best and, you know, put my best product out there with my teammates and the best man will come out on top. Not saying anything to Coach Hack either. <laughs> that is fair enough. So just to finish off then, for any young female athletes uh, out there wanting to get into the sport what advice would you give them <sighs> just be relentless in everything that you do you know I started on this league 20 pounds lighter not an athlete whatsoever and they told me I couldn't do it you know I played skill position and now I play in the box with the big girls you can no one can ever tell you you can't do anything you have to go out there and get it for yourself you know even if you're not the best player on the team you better be the best tactical player on the team um, and just keep pushing because it's, I promise you, you can do it. Adrian, uh, on behalf of myself and Marcus and all of our listeners, we'd like to thank you very much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spanheadproductions.com. Weebly.com. That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com. 
Well, that wraps it up from us for another week. I would firstly like to thank our amazing guest, Adrian Pennell, my co-host, Marcus Henson, our producer, Mark Taylor from Spamhead Productions. Don't forget, our shows are broadcast on the LFL 360 website every week, so stay tuned for that and lots of other league news. Our podcasts are also downloadable on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and our more recent shows are rebroadcast on the Awake Radio Network. If you want to get in touch with us, remember... Hey guys, if you want to get a hold of Audrey or Marcus, send them an email at ballhawksnest at gmail.com. And until next time, football fans, stay safe, take care, and thanks for stopping by. Bye.